Welcome in, everybody, to Car Biz Chronicles Season 5. I cannot believe we've been doing this show for five years. Uh, this little spinoff we like to do, it's educational at best, right? We try to have some fun with it, go outside of our normal realm of the show. Um, this year, the theme of this year's Car Biz Chronicles is going to be the customer journey. We're going to show you guys exactly what people are going through right now buying a car, what their feedback is, what's happened to them. And today... Today, we're going to start with an interesting twist on that by going with someone who's in the car business, but who purchased a vehicle. Yes, teaser, spoiler alert, it is an EV, so we're going to get into that side of the world as well. Obviously, people know I have a little bit of passion about that, but the man we bring on today to help us with that, Marco Mantenuto. Marco, how are you, man? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really, really excited to have you. Um, all right. So you bought an electric vehicle, Marco. First, tell me what attracted you to the space of electric vehicle. I know you're a very progressive young man. So, so tell me about first how you arrived at wanting to purchase an EV. It was a need. So most people that purchase EVs, it's kind of funny because I've, I've, at the Chargers, you get to meet a lot of people with EVs. And they're not shy to talk to you and spark up a conversation. So you, you get to see what they're driving, how, how much they drive. So a lot of people who drive EVs don't drive them that much, which was surprisingly for me. But I do a fair bit of driving. So I needed an EV. Um, diesels are no longer an option. And the ones that are out there are not doing the mileage that I needed. And uh, EV was just the, it made the most amount of sense with the amount of uh, driving I have to do every month. The natural, the natural approach to the whole thing. Now, is that because where you're at right now, Marco, is a, I mean, you're, you have good infrastructure. Is that fair to say for you when you're going to look at that as an opportunity? Did you consider infrastructure or because I believe you're in Toronto or in that area, is it already pretty solid to begin with and you knew that going in? Uh, no, I had no idea about infrastructure. I, uh, I didn't foresee that being a problem when I purchased the car. And it was about an hour and a half into the drive back from the dealership because I had to buy it outside of uh, my province uh, due to you know shortages. It was about an hour and a half, two hours into my journey that I realized how much of a problem it is uh, because infrastructure is, uh, I, would, I would say, borderline inexistent uh, where we are. So that was, so, uh, that was a shocker. Yeah, so that's kind of a big one, right? And I think that's a big holdup for a lot of folks who do enjoy the drive, do a lot of driving. You know, I'm a road trip guy here as well. And to the, the idea of being able to plot that, I'm sure it's possible. It just seems more difficult than trying to plot it out around a typical, you know, uh, gas station fix. But what did you what did you find out about infrastructure that surprised you the most? Was it that was it how long things took to charge? Is it where they were located? What part of that stuck out to you once you learned about it? So there's a bunch of challenges. Number one, every there's different providers out there. I call, I, I'd say probably eight or nine different providers. Each one of the providers needs you to have their app installed on your phone. And about 90% of them need you to deposit funds in these apps. So the minimum amount is usually $50. So for example, Flow, Petro Canada, um, Electrify Canada, all these different um, uh, Charge Lab, all these different uh, providers. I require you to have some some funds in your wallet, right? Uh, they're not direct charge, so you, you can't just charge your credit card to it or connect it to your Apple Pay or anything like that. So you've got to add these funds. So now you have all this money in all these different apps, uh, and they all have to be there available because you don't know, problem number two, 
uh, which provider you're going to be able to find when you need a charge in a pinch. So if you need if you need to charge right away, uh, you're running low, whatever the case might be, you're going to find the first level three charger you can get to and and charge. So it's that's the biggest challenge is essentially finding the, the charge stations and then having the correct app to um, to charge. And then there's a ton of other stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to anyways. But yeah, those are those are the biggest hurdles. I, uh, I I saw a guy recently on LinkedIn from Australia who was here and he was dropping his mom off at LAX. And that was his biggest frustration on earth was he's like, dude, how many apps does it take to charge a car? Like, why do I have to have 77 apps? Like, I just want to pull up, charge this thing. Ma's at the airport. I'm trying to get things handled, you know, two, two for one. And he was unable to do so. You know, that sounds like a huge headache. And someone like me, I don't, I don't do well with, I don't have patience for that when, when it should be so simple, right? There should be a way to go, but you, you dropped a little bit of a nugget there and I'm wondering what it means. I circled it in my notes. What the hell is a level three charger, Marco? And, and what does that mean versus a level one charger? So there's level one, level two, level three. So level one is called it a, a, almost like borderline a trickle charger because it has very little power. So if you were to translate that to uh, kilometers or miles in your case, it would be one mile per hour that it adds to the to the vehicle. A level two charger, you're talking about uh, 30 kilometers, so 15 to 20 miles per hour. And then you have a level three charger that will do you know 50 to 80 miles per hour um, added back. Uh, and again, what is your on... car full charge? Like what, what, what would you need? How many hours do you need to get your car from zero back up to the top? So that's the problem. So every different car manufacturer allows you every, so the chart, there's the charger to speak a language and the car to speaks another language. That's that language is still about hours. So a car, uh, a, a charger may be able to charge 150 kilowatts per hour input. So that's a, it can, it can, it can direct 150 kilowatts in, to your car. The problem is your car might not be able to accept 150 kilowatts. In my case, my car is a very I call it rudimentary. It's it's a compliance car that I bought, so it, it's very base level. So my car only accepts 35 kilowatt hours. So where a Tesla, I believe they're up to 150 or 200. The superchargers are, are about 200. I'm not well versed in Teslas. And then you have something like the Ford Mach-E that, if I'm not mistaken, again, don't quote me on the numbers, but they're around 70 kilowatt hours. So the time that it takes to charge a Tesla uh, at a supercharger, call it 20 minutes, 25 minutes to get 300 miles or 400 kilometers out of it, it would take me that time to get 80 miles out of my car. So a level three charger will push as much energy as possible. It's it's call it, you know, it's a, it's a quick pit stop. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't mean because it's a fast charger that your car will be able to keep up with the charging, uh, uh, with the charger itself. So what what it takes me, and, and I get this a lot from the Ford guys because they're so frustrated. They have these cars, the, the Ford Lightning and the and the Mach-E that take a long time to charge, even though they're at a, at a fast charger versus the guy with the Tesla will show up 20 minutes later. He's back on the road and, and he's getting the same same or more range out of it right so and tesla has their own network as well have you run into that is is that a thing marco in addition to all the apps that you described earlier is that just an additional station or is it only used for tesla how does that what does that what does that mean so there is so much that i discovered and uh since i got my electric car and i've sold EVs for a while but until you actually own one and experience it you never really 
get to see these all these different levels and things like that. I get a dealership where we're allowed to take them over the weekend, but in a weekend, you do not get the feel for it. I invite anybody at a dealership to take an electric car for a week, three weeks, and try to life with it <laughs> because you cannot use Tesla chargers. Now, in the U.S., the government actually just released, they, they're, they're forcing Tesla to open up the charging network to everybody. Tesla, the reason why, um, like on the drive back, Sitting there, I've always snobbed Tesla and I said, I'm never going to buy a Tesla. Tesla, like overpriced, the panels don't line up. It's the quality, the build quality is awful, blah, blah, blah. And then an hour and a half into my drive, I said, oh, the value of a Tesla is not in the build quality. It's not in the fact that the panels don't line up. It's not in the range. It's in their charging network. It's in the infrastructure. Yeah. The infrastructure is um, phenomenal. It's everywhere. And it bothers me so much that I show up to any mall and they have chargers there available and they're all fast chargers and all these tesla guys can just plug in anytime anywhere and be on the road within 20 minutes half an hour and have what i have to sit there for an hour for i get i get you know 20 percent of what they they get um so the u.s has opened them up so i believe it's actually last month or the month before that they had to open them up because they forced tesla here in canada unfortunately they still haven't opened them up they do use different charging ports that are three different charging ports uh, for level three chargers. So there is one that, uh, for example, the Nissan Leaf uses one, uh, the Volkswagens, the Audis, uh, the Mazdas, they use another one, a different level three. Um, and then Tesla has its own, uh, its own charger. So with Tesla, you actually have to get an adapter that goes into the charging port so that you can, you can plug into any other, any other charger and vice versa. So if you wanted to, even if I wanted to use my, um, if I wanted to get my car charged at a Tesla station, I would have to, um, I would need an adapter for it. And, uh, and, and part of that, like the government opening that up is just the first step. The other problem is the, uh, the fact that the only people allowed to fix, fix an EV, EV cars are the dealerships that have sold them. So there is something called the Right to Repair Act that's very outdated here in Canada. I'm not sure how it is in the US, but when they wrote that, they said, um, you know, everybody has the right to repair diesel, gas, propane, whatever cars, but EVs didn't exist back then. So nobody but the dealership has the right to repair these vehicles. So you are forced to go to the dealership. And a lot of the dealerships that um, here are still not equipped, um, whether it's the technician that's not trained for it or the infrastructure, they're not equipped to service electric vehicles. So that's the other uh, the other thing that kind of uh, bugs me quite a bit about the whole process. But yeah, wow. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Holy cow, dude. Well, I got to tell you, this is definitely why I've avoided anything near the discussion of an EV. So I'm I'm glad to hear you doing it and you telling me all about it. Now let's let's actually get into the process. We know why you wanted to buy an EV. So how does the search begin, Marco? You're a car guy. So what to what angle did you already have an inside or did you really go through the consumer journey because it was something that you weren't buying from a brand that you actually, you know, obviously had or could, as you said, had access to them. So tell us what happens now that you've decided EV, are you submitting leads? Are you learning about vehicles online? Tell me about it. So I run a group called the Referral Network that connects dealers across Ontario and Canada. We even have a guy from Colombia in it, and it's just salespeople from all different dealerships. So I reached out to the people that I knew, and I said, listen, I want an Ionic. I want like anything that's electric. I don't care what the car brand is, whatever. Like I just want, I need an electric car. I'm, I don't want it. I need it. It was a little bit different. 
Uh, the wait times are redonkulous right now for EVs specifically. So I was I was being told two years, three years. We're not we're not taking deposits. Those are the answers that I was getting from left, right, and center, which is kind of hilarious because it goes to show how a little bit out of touch our politicians are because they're trying to force people to go EV, but there is no availability. So uh, it, it it was frustrating from a consumer perspective because I was sitting there. I'm like, okay. I want to buy an EV because I'm tired of paying for gas. I'm also concerned about the environment because the driving, the amount of driving that I do will, you know, affects the environment. So I need an EV. I want to make a difference and all that. And I, I can't because everywhere I went, I, you know, they said, no, sorry. Or if I went to the resale market, which I looked at Auto Trader, and Ionic is selling for $85,000. And I don't care how good of a Hyundai it is. No Hyundai is worth, $85,000 in the resale market. <laughs> so uh, I cannot force myself to, you know, essentially get a mortgage to buy a car that was not, you know, like for $85,000. I'm sorry, I'm looking at something a little bit more fun to drive. Yeah, I mean, you can get three um, cars. Uh, you can, you know I mean, you can get, you can get two gas cars and, and and half an electric car. I mean, who really? I mean, again, it's and that that whole thing is really getting out of control, right? I think that's why oh, Tesla is trying to own that market, right? Like, if you lease cars from them, they have to go back to them. They're trying to control that secondary market, maybe to avoid this or to have more control over the pricing. I'm not positive, but we have the same problem here. And I like what you said. Uh, that political, you know, idiocy doesn't change down here. Okay. It doesn't, it gets worse down here. It's even more, more bureaucratic red tape because people want all these things. But, but to your point, what do we have for infrastructure in the ground and what do we have for actual available units? Right. I mean, I'm not waiting three years to get a Honda. Yeah. I'm not waiting three years to get a pickup truck. I don't think most people are yet down here, Marco, it's a huge part of how people bang their chests, you know, as dealerships. They're like, oh, look, we have 400 orders. You're never going to fulfill the guy who's three years out, dude. He will have found an EV, much like I assume you're about to tell me you did, that fulfilled the need well prior to the ordering time. Yeah, so that's the that's the other thing. So you have all these politicians going, we need to go, um, you know, electric or uh, we need to get rid of combustion engine by 20, whatever. 2030, 2026, whatever these, you know, dates are, the infrastructure is one thing, it's a big one. Number two, the availability. And number three, the pricing, because it prices a lot of people out of the market and an EV is not a cheap endeavor. Um, you know, they're, they're not affordable for the people that are making 35, $40,000 Canadian per year. They right. can't go in and drop $50,000 on an EV because that's really the starting price is, is 50K for anything. Um, I had to make a compromise. I had to, you know, give up the range and I had to give up, um, you know, a few options and all that because the only EV I could find in the market was the MX-30. So the Mazda, which is, well, it's a compliance car because essentially from what I hear, Mazda was forced to build it. Otherwise they, they wouldn't have been able to sell any vehicles. So they put together this thing um, that has a 150 kilometer range, essentially real life range. Uh, which is, I don't know what that is in miles. I don't know, 100 miles? Yeah. Uh, so it is awful. God awful. The car itself is really nice. I love the interior. If it had the longer range, I would be so happy. Um, but, you know, it, it, it has a 100-mile range, 150-kilometer range. And at the time, nobody knew it existed. So there was availability. They were on the ground. So I can't, there's only two places where these cars are being sold, California and Quebec. 
So that's those are the only two places in North America that they got those cars. So I contacted a friend of mine again through my network that, that uh, works at, uh, at a dealership in, uh, in Montreal, Quebec. He said, yeah, I have two. I have this model and I have this model. I said, perfect. I'll take the black one. Um, and he and he tried almost to talk me out of it. He's like, are you sure? You know, it's got a hundred mile range. Are you positive? Just so you know, like, this is like, it, it, this is what you're getting into. And, and he kept hammering into me. I said, yeah, but like, I just want an EV. I don't care about the range at this point. I just, I need it. I'm driving too much. And put it this way, I did 15,000 kilometers with that car in three months. So that sounds like so, a lot of stopping and charging though, Marco, if that's the case. It, it, it is. At first it was a lot of stopping and charging. Um, so you start modifying your life around it. So I would look at level two chargers because those are more, more available than the level three. So if I was at an appointment or wherever I was doing, I would plug the car in and, and walk to my appointment or whatever. Um, and then when I was going home, just like when you go home and you plug in your phone, I was plugging in my car. And although I was on a level one charger at home because I didn't have the, um, you know, just like it doesn't make sense for us to have a level three charger, a level two charger, because the house is a good solid 60 feet away from our driveway. So it would it would cost literally thousands of dollars to to run the, the charger to the driveway. So I was running a uh, an extension cord with a level one charger, which means that I was getting a, maybe 30 kilometers really not even that overnight and then uh you know during the day i would uh, i knew where all the level three i know where all the level three chargers are there are some free ones even and and i would be hitting one of them up at least once a day just to keep my battery my battery topped up and i would uh and you know whenever i have to work out of um you know with my laptop i would keep all that work to when i was stopped at a level level three charger um, and just do work off my laptop while, while I'm there. And that's it, right? Like you just start modifying and adapting your life, just like we we've done with technology nowadays, plugging your phone in and, and all that fun stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. No, I love that. You said that adapted, you adapted your life. You were like, look, I've got to do this as part of my life, but I have to find a way to make it work around that. Um, obviously, right. Like anything, trying to run line for anything, plumbing, water, you know, electric away from your house, the prices get exorbitant moving things around. I know my wife and I just did a, a remodel recently. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I just want to move this sink over here on this side. My buddy, the contractor looks at me and goes, no, you don't. I'm like, why not? I just would rather, I think it would make more sense over here. And he's like, it won't make more sense, dude. It's going to cost X and X. And I thought, all right, what a pain in the ass. Uh, but then you apply it to houses and looking at electric chargers, right? And people, it's here, it's all about tax benefits to some extent, putting them in the house. Some people include it in the car deals, you know, whatever else. But you dropped an interesting word there, uh, free. So talk to me quickly about the idea of a, a free charging port. Who the hell sponsors that and gives it away for free? And then price-wise, how do prices vary? Is it similar to gas stations between these apps where it's sort of that, that pennies on the dollar that, that, that they vary in their cost to you? So free, uh, free is, um, so free chargers are, you're going to find them at grocery stores. Uh, you're going to find them at uh, car manufacturers head offices. I'm not going to mention who they are because I like them. I like the fact that not too many people know about it. So I, don't have to wait for <laughs> I was going to say, there has to be something about a secret society of chargers where you find one, you don't tell people because you don't want to sit in line and wait, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so there's the free charges and the cost. Here's the funny going back to the, uh, to the whole, um, you know, how much, how fast can your car charge versus another car? 
here's the issue. Uh, it cost me to get a hundred miles into my car. It cost me as much as the Tesla guy um, to get 300 miles or 250 miles, wherever that translates to. So whatever it cost me, what it cost me to charge it, because it's charged by the hour. It cost me, um, you know, let's say $20 if I'm at a flow charger, because they, they cost $20 per hour to get 150 kilometers, so 100 miles. The same amount will cost the Tesla guy. If the Tesla guy pulls up next to me and charges at the same charging station, because you can full get the 450 kilowatts, it will cost them $20 to get 400 kilometers out of a charger, 450. So it's not about the energy output. It's about the time one is hooked up to a machine. Yeah. How is that going to, how does that refill itself? I mean, I know we're talking about the environment here, Marco. So I'm trying to be, you know, nice about it because I believe whatever's wrong with this environment is already fucked and it's not coming back from that. However, I know we want to go down the electric road, so that's fine. But Marco, talk to me about how that makes sense long-term. And, and again, who fits who fits the bill on a free charger at the grocery store? Did the grocery store pay to have those put in and they're cool because they figure you're shopping? And, you know, how does that, how does that all work? And is there a plan? Have you heard of any plan to change that output? I mean, that just doesn't seem like it makes sense, right? I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess it kind of does, though, if you, if you apply it to gas, Marco. I guess to be fair, right? If you're at a gas station, if your truck needed 80 gallons and mine needed 20, we would still pay the same per gallon, but you're not paying on a per watt. You're paying on a on an hourly charge based on how quickly your car can do business. I, I don't know. I, I How do you feel about that, man? Drives me nuts. Yeah. I hate it so much. <laughs> it just, it just drives me absolutely nuts because it's, I'm not, I'm not like, you are not getting charged for the electricity by the hour. You're getting charged by the kilowatt because that's what I get charged at home. Yeah. So why am I getting, you know, why am I paying by the hour and all that? And it's, it's, it's unregulated and that's the, the main issue. And, you know, just to give an idea, I plugged in every single night when I got home for a month straight, my bill went up by $30 a month so, per month. Yeah. So a dollar a day to charge your car at home, basically negligible, negligible. So not, but you're also not getting a full charge. No. If I remember the beginning of the story, I mean, it sounds like the thing is giving you, you know, a dollar's worth of mileage on top of the $30 a month how much is my time worth versus the charging? Right. So if I can, uh, if I can do work when I'm stopped, great, fantastic. That's not always the case. Right. Uh, and then you got to keep in mind that the charger might be busy and there's other factors. The chargers might be down, which is a huge problem. A lot of the chargers are down. Um, and then, uh, you know, like even if I can get an extra 20 kilometers being plugged in at home, then get a top up to a full charge. I'm happy because that's less time I have to spend at the charging station. That 20 kilometers makes a difference to me of 15 minutes at the charging station. So I'm going to take that 20 kilometers at home where the car is just parked doing nothing overnight while I'm sleeping, right. being proactive. Uh, it's going to cost me a dollar for the convenience. Like who cares? Um, but yeah, it, it, and it's, it's, but it's minimal. So I'm saying they're going, okay, it's $30. So let's say I go to the same charging place every day and level two sucks in more power. Let's inflate that number. And I, uh, what's it going to cost the business? $150. And here's the thing. I have gone into those businesses. Because when you're sitting in the parking lot for an hour, two hours, whatever the case might be, you inevitably give money to somebody. Because you're not just going to sit in a car and watch Netflix yeah. all 30 times. <laughs> no, no, no. You're at a grocery store. You're like, yeah, oh, I, you know, it turns out I need some berries or whatever. I mean, you will, you will stumble across that, right? I guess. Yeah. 
you're going to go to a restaurant, you're going to eat at the place, you're going to go shopping in the mall where you're charging, you're going to do stuff like at the, at the car manufacturer where I go and charge for free, the level three charger, there's a gas station there that just put it this way. There's, there's a patch of grass between the gas station and the, and the chargers and that patch of grass is worn down to the mud because people keep walking across and going to the gas station and buying a drink, buying this, using the bathroom whatever the case might be. So inevitably you start giving business everywhere else. And, and because of the gas prices, it doesn't matter. I'm sitting there, I'm getting charged for free or I'm, or I'm paying, let's say, even if I have to pay $20 or whatever the case might be, whatever it is that I'm paying for that charge, if it's a level two, especially, it's still substantially cheaper than going to a gas station at the, at a dollar 69 a liter that we're up today. So it, it's, 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 it's about still... planning your life around it, though. That's for sure. I think that that's a, yeah. that's one of my biggest takeaways is making sure that you have the plan for your life that says, look, this is not going to be a five minute situation or whatever the case is. Again, 25 minutes for a Tesla is not unreasonable. Um, I am much like you. I, I will not get into the Tesla world. I am not a fan of, of the car itself, nor its leadership. So I have my own problems with them. But from a, from a point of what we're trying to do here with the electric car, when you bought the car, so like you you drove out there, did you trade something in, Marco? Or were you, did, how did you, what did the purchase look like on your end? No, I didn't trade anything in. I leased the car because I knew I wanted to uh, get out of it at some point because it wasn't a long-term solution. Uh, I went out there. It's a six-hour drive. Well, five and a half hour to six-hour drive uh, from Toronto to Montreal. And I picked up the car. I said, okay, listen, it's got a hundred mile range, hundred kilometer range. So I'm going to have to stop four times. It's going to take me an extra three hours to drive home. No big deal. What I didn't take in consideration is the fact that from Montreal to Toronto, half of the chargers are down. So they, they were either inexistent or not working. So that forced me to get off the highway and find level two chargers in the little towns that I was, that are around the, uh, around the, uh, the, the highway there. And those level two chargers charge 30 kilometers an hour. So now all of a sudden, it, it didn't take me an hour to charge. It took me longer. So the six-hour drive took me 13 hours. Wow. More and, than and, double. And, but, you, but you are still, you are still with all of that considered, you are still happy that you have a Mazda electric vehicle. Is that right? Happy is a very loose term when it came okay, to that. Okay, all I right, all right. So, 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 if we're not, if we're not happy, if we're just sort of, I, I'm, I'm happy. I have an electric car. I'm happy. I'm in the market uh, that I jumped in. I'm happy that I have the keys to it. and I can take it and not have to pay for gas. And whenever my girlfriend and I are going anywhere, we take the electric car because our JCW Countryman obviously cost more money to to fill up where you can just drive it for free, especially because when we're going somewhere together, it's a grocery store, it's something else. They'll have free chargers there. Yeah. So I love not having to pay for gas. If there is one thing that I hate more than my Mazda is having to pay for gas. So it's one of those things where you're sitting in the middle. I'm, I'm not happy with the car. I hate it. But at the same time, I also highly dislike paying for inflated gas prices. So sure. You pick, you pick one of the, the two, uh, you, you know, pick the, the lesser the, of the two evils. Look, I mean, those guys yeah, just had yeah. record profits. So I totally get everyone's frustration and why we need to have alternatives to doing business uh, on that front. So you are an EV owner. I assume the next one will be an EV. What is the discussion like in the household with the girlfriend who does not have an EV? Are we, are we working on getting her one? What does her feel now that she's seen yours 
What has that done to the conversation around EVs in Marco's house? Well, it's not just in the house. It's just anybody I talk to. Uh, I tell them, I say, uh, just like my I did. Uh, if you want to buy an EV, even if you don't want to buy an EV, you should be ordering an EV because that EV is going to be here in three to five years from now and life changes and deposits are refundable. So I dropped deposits on two other EV cars because and one of them is the Chevy Silverado, for example, which is, has been released, but is not going to be available until 2025. So I'm already planning three years from now what car I want to drive because this is the kind of market we're in. And I know it's going to be an EV because now I'm addicted to the, to the, to the EV world and not paying for gas and, and all that. Um, but the problem is, and I told my girlfriend the same thing. I'm like, cause she drives just less than I do, but still just as much cause she's in real estate. I said to her, you got to start thinking what your next car is going to be. And she's like, well, I just got this one last year. I said, yeah, but I'm not talking about what your next car is going to be in a month or two months or six months from now. Your next car is going to be in, in, three, four years from now. And uh, if we, if we are still not catching up with the, with the production of uh, EV cars and everything else, and we're still not releasing that many EV cars into the market because every company has got one or two options. That's about it. You, you don't want to miss out three years from now when a gas is going to be $3 a liter, whatever the case might be, even if it's not $3 a liter, who cares? You're going to want to drive an EV, right? So and that's uh, that's the conversations I have with her and with everybody else. Like, whatever your, the case might be, it's a $100 deposit for most EVs because you're ordering it through the manufacturer, not the dealership. Just drop 100 bucks and order yourself a car. If the car arrives and you don't want it, take your money back or lose 100 bucks. Who cares? Just have that option on the table. Don't Don't just dismiss it. Interesting piece of advice there. I think a lot of people probably struggle with the foresight of that, Marco, right? The idea of car purchases, as you know it, a guy who's been in retail like myself for a long time, a good number of deals are done, you know, because one feels one wants one, right? And the immediacy is what sells a lot of opportunities for us, at least in the past. Obviously, with the issues we're against today, it's a little bit different. But now here in the U.S., we're starting to see cars get on lots, right? Not EVs, but but gas vehicles starting to get on lots, starting to starting to stack up a little bit. People starting to have inventory. Um, I wonder how long people will wait to get something they can't have versus something maybe they would settle for that they could get now, EV, gas, or whatever. I, I think that your point is well received. Well, um, so you are an owner of an EV. I want to wrap this up um, because you've been great with your time. I really appreciate it. It sounds like you've already kind of given people the advice, the best advice you would give them as regards to it. But when when looking for a new EV, your search took you out six hours from your house, Marco. Do you think that is common in the people that you're talking with? And what is your best advice to people who are looking for a vehicle if it isn't in their market area? But you know they don't have access to the group you have access to, right? So if you're going to recommend to the consumers checking out our show, what would you recommend to them as a way to start their process on EV? And uh, and how would you recommend they go about doing that? So first and foremost, don't do what I did. Take a look at the infrastructure around your house, especially in the rural U.S. See see what what is around you um, in terms of, uh, of charging. Be con- conscious of that. Once you've done that, then really the way I look at EV cars, it's, it's very hard to go wrong. There's so little going on with them. And, you know, there is batteries and there is a motor and that's it. 
Like there is, there is a lot less that can, that can go wrong with them in, in a sense. So you don't hear about a specific EV that has a ton of issues. Um, you know, when, when my car manufacturer releases a new engine or whatever the case might be, you, you have all these known issues with that drive, drive, drive train. You don't want to buy that one because of this, this, and this. The biggest issue with the EV that you hear is the first model that came out, the range was this, the new one is this. Yeah. So um, figure out what car appeals to you. And car manufacturers are starting to come around in, in terms of design because they all thought that EVs had to look like spaceships. And now they realize they just have to look like normal cars and people will buy them. And the, um, so figure out what, what uh, the, the look that you're going after, the brand you want to support, wherever the, whatever moves your decision. And then just go into the dealership and, uh, and drop a deposit and take a look on, um, you know, countrywide if there is any availability anywhere else. And if you do find one outside of your province or, or your state, get that car shipped. Do not try to drive it back. Um, <laughs> because, um, it's, the network is still unpredictable and the, uh, the availability of charging station is questionable. So, you know, just get that car shipped back to you. Don't make the mistake <laughs> I made. Is that, was that one of the things you wish you would have done differently, Marco, in your end or no, because you've never owned an EV. You're glad you went through sort of the six hours out, 13 hour back procedure. I am happy I went through it. Would I do it again? Absolutely not. It's worth every single penny of the five hundred dollars the char the the transport company would have charged me, and a tip on top uh, to to get that car back to me um, instead of me driving it back. But it was a learning experience. What an EV owner takes a month to learn, I learned in six seven hours on the way back. The additional six seven hours that I had to drive back. Education so, under fire for sure on that one. Look, I mean, as much as I I, I bag on the uh, the EV world, uh, I'm an early investor in Lucid. Um, I'm a guy who watched that company from from its very onset. I liked it. I liked kind of some of the things they were after. I think their design is cool. If I'm ever in the market, which I just told my wife someone's gonna have to take my Subaru out of my dead lifeless hands. But if it happens, that's probably the the road I would go down. Marco, last question I have for you on this front. With, within what you're seeing in the retail world, are you seeing a lot of customers in your space coming to you about the EVs and are they having the same kind of, you know, availability questions to you? What is the discussion consumers are bringing to you as a sales guy about the EV availability and wanting to purchase one? Uh, so discussions I'm having with the, with clients and all that, it's, um, you know, they, they all want to go EV, but they're, it's still this big unknown for them. Um, so they, they don't, every, you have, just like anything else, you have the early adopters who have sat there and have done all the research and they've made the decision to commit to a, it's like the first people that bought iPhones and, and wherever else. And then you have the followers right after. And I think it's still, people are still very cautious about purchasing EVs because they just, it's just something strange and new and, and 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 uh, edgy in some cases weird to say that word but yeah that's that's what it felt feels like for some people um so there's still you know the, the conversation one thing you hear all the time is like oh i'm still waiting I, I need longer range i need this i need that but nobody needs the thing that the excuses that are coming up with you can you know the, the people that are saying i'm waiting because of the range range is a big factor and all that it's, it's really not a big factor most people don't drive what i drive um, the amount that I drive. So most people can get away with an EV and they'll be happy with them. 
Uh, but yeah, that's really the the consensus is like, oh, I, I still want to wait a little bit longer. I still want to wait and see uh, see how the technology works out and all that. And and I mean, like, you know, there's don't be afraid. Jump in, order your next card. It's going to be here in five years from now, and just uh, you know, just take a leap, and you'll be very happy once you uh, once you jump into an EV. Um, you'll be very happy you made the decision. And, and I still drive gas-powered vehicles, don't get me wrong, but when I drive a gas-powered vehicle, it's because I want to have fun. Uh, and yeah, I'm and I know you've got, a, you've, got a, I've got an, oh, you've got a classic, if I'm not mistaken. They're, you're into some clubs, and you've got some cool things you do with your life. that will. Those cars will always be gas-powered. That will be the part of the world. But as you said, it is a pleasure run, not a business run, not something you're required to use. Marco, man, thank you so much for your time today, folks. Look, if you haven't been thinking about it, you should be now. Marco brought you plenty of reasons to look at EVs, to get involved. And what my takeaway is, is we need to do better with infrastructure. Our politicians need to do better on slowing or getting people to hurry up, I guess. They need to slow down the rhetoric. They need to hurry up the manufacturers to do more. Uh, And more importantly, foresight, folks. If it's something you want today, you're not going to be able to walk outside your door and go purchase it. You're going to have to think ahead. So please do that. Marco, thanks a lot. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time for the next iteration of Carbiz Chronicles Season 5. Thanks a lot. Thank you.